unfettered access to God our Father and having deep, intimate relationship with Him. So how many of you brought your Bibles today? You have your Bibles here, or, or you got your U version? that's okay. You got your U version. that's all right too. Today we're going to be exploring the skill or the discipline of reading and studying the Bible. And, and perhaps you're new to this exploration of faith, and so I want to begin this talk by exploring for a moment what the Bible is. All right, I want to talk about what the Bible is. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. You ready? The Bible is not a book. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is actually a library of books. The Bible is a library of books written by an estimated 40 different authors over the course of roughly 3,400 years. All right? 3,400 years under the inspiration and the direction of the Holy Spirit. The writings that made it into what we call the biblical canon, or in other words, the library that we recognize as as Bible, as Scripture, God-inspired, that process, it happened from about 170 A.D. to about 397 A.D. The councils that were convened to determine what books, because there's a lot of writings going on, particularly the New Testament church. There was a lot of writings, a lot of letters being sent out. And so the councils, they gathered together going, okay, what is consistent? What is God-breathed? What is Scripture? And here's some of the questions that they asked when they were curating and putting the Bible together, like what we have today. They asked, was the author an apostle or had a close connection with an apostle? That was an important question for them. That was a filter that they placed it through. We'll talk about why that is in a bit. Is the book being accepted by the body of Christ at large? So in other words, are we seeing consistency in these teachings across the body of Christ today? Did the book contain consistency of doctrine and orthodox teaching? And so they're looking for consistency across all of these writings because we know if one spirit is inspiring the writing... It's going to say one thing, right? And then finally, did the book bear evidence of high moral and spiritual values that would reflect the work of the Holy Spirit? So what you have in your hands or on your phone today is the completed work of Scripture, which is roughly 1,900 years old when it was curated and put together, about 1,900 years old, vetted by spiritual leaders in the 2nd and 3rd century, And yet as old as some of these writings are, up to 3,400 years old, they still to this day are applicable to your life. Isn't that amazing? How many of you found that as you read Scripture, just God's able to just nail you with something? And it's so applicable. It's so like for your circumstance right now, right here, and He just touches you with that. The first century Christians, the first century Christians, they didn't have a New Testament. How many know that? First century Christians, they didn't have a New Testament. That's why the apostles were so important. Because it was, what did they gather together and they listened to who? The apostles' teaching. Why? Because the apostles were the one that spent time with Jesus. The apostles witnessed his death, his burial, his resurrection. It was the apostles that began to teach orally in the first century church. 
And so the first century Christians, they didn't have a New Testament to guide them and to go with them and, and to do all of that. So why do I say all that? I'm going to steal uh, something from Andy Stanley. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Because right now we live in this world, particularly in education systems. For This is for you young people that are going to eventually go into post-secondary. Here's what they're going to say. I can disprove the Bible. I can show you inconsistencies in Scripture. And you know what? Hey, I'm ready to shock you for a moment. And they can do it. Okay? But here's the deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal something that Andy Stanley said. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. Can I drop that on you? Christianity does not exist because of the Bible. Christianity exists because of three profound days. Christianity exists... Because of the death, the burial, and then what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Lord. And see, many people think, if I can just disprove the scriptures, I can disprove Christianity. But that wouldn't have worked in the first century church. Because there was no New Testament to disprove. That wouldn't have worked. Because the beliefs were not based on a book... They were based on the eyewitness accounts of men and women who were so inspired by what they saw that they gave their lives for the belief in this Jesus, the Messiah, as the Son of God, because they witnessed the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Men like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote down their eyewitness accounts for us to read today. They were so inspired, that early church, by what they saw, that they sold everything they had and they shared it with everyone. Can you imagine a culture? Can you imagine a church culture where every single one of you went to all of your peripheral stuff and you just sold it all? You took all your rental units and you took all your extra properties and you, you just sold it. And you brought it to the church and we sat here and went, who's in need? Let's make sure everybody has their needs met. That's how profoundly radical the first century church was, and they didn't have a Bible. They had the Old Testament, but they didn't have New Testament scripture to unpack what this new covenant in Jesus' blood was all about. And so they relied on the apostles. They relied on the eyewitnesses. It's not the Bible that inspired this movement, but the event of the resurrection. And the fact that those who saw it and witnessed it were still around to tell the story and confirm its legitimacy. Now with that said, in the 21st century, we're so grateful that the first century witnesses that they wrote this down, that they put pen to paper so that we could be educated, that we can be intellectually be able to kind of take a really good look at the historical accounts that were set for us and, and make a pretty good legitimate exercise of going, yes, Jesus was a historical figure. Yes, Jesus lived this life. This is what he taught. This is how he lived out his life. And yes, Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day. Luke goes as far as to describe everything that's going on in the time that he was writing his account. Luke became much of a historian. And he actually said, you know, in the time of Tiberius, blah, 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 blah. 
Why was he doing that? Because he was saying, this is exactly when it happened. Like, no, no once upon a time, or a long, long time ago in a, in a galaxy far away. No, he said, this is exactly when it happened. Fact check me. Check me out. This is when it happened. So now up until now, we've talked about Scripture a little bit in very static terms. The eyewitness accounts, the historical writings. But there's, there's more to Scripture than a, just a static and intellectual exercise that we need to mention. As we kind of set a groundwork for why in the world would we read our Bible every day. Scripture was and still is, if you're taking notes, Scripture was and still is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was, and it still is. Here's what I mean by that. The Spirit of God inspired and directed those who put pen to paper and wrote their particular books or their letters to the churches. He was with them in the process. He was leading and inspiring them and directing them in their writings. But we also know that the same Spirit that led them in their writing is also the same Spirit that inspires us in the reading of God's Word. We're partnering with the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in truth. It's a very relational exercise when we dig into the Word of God because the Spirit of God partners with us in that process. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The word breathe in the Greek means God-inspired or inspired of God. God inspired the authors. And then John writes in his account of Jesus' words and Jesus' teaching. Here's, here's how he quotes Jesus in John 16, verse 13 to 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus speaking of the Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. There's a case to be made that the Holy Spirit still leads and guides us in truth today. As we read scripture, we're in a partnership with the ultimate author of scripture. And he gives us revelation. When we sit under the preaching of God's word, we're in partnership with the Spirit of God as he reveals truth to us. That's why we say we're all active participants in the preaching of God's word. This is not a static function of sitting in rows looking at a stage. This is a, a sacred moment set apart for the spirit of God to lead us and guide us in truth. How many believe that? Not very many. How many believe that? You don't have to, by the way. You can be here and have your doubts. That's okay. We're so glad you're here. 
And I'm not talking about anything new here. When, when, but when I, say, when I say revelation, I'm not talking about where we get new revelation. Okay? When I talk about the Spirit of God bringing us revelation, it's not new revelation. Because everything that has been revealed to man has been revealed in the Word of God. Okay? We're not talking about new revelation. That's where things get weird. But what we're talking about is the Spirit of God taking what is written and causing it to become alive in us. That it goes from just an intellectual exercise, a static exercise of reading, to this powerful moment of transformative power in our lives when that truth takes root in us and does something different in and through us. This is why we read Scripture. To partner with the Spirit of God and taking a journey of looking more and more like Jesus every day. And unless we understand that, what's the point? But what a powerful truth. That when you open up the Word of God, there's a partnership of relationship with the same Spirit that inspired Moses almost 3,400 years ago. To write down the accounts of Israel. There's the same spirit who inspired Paul the apostle. As he sat down and put pen to paper to write to the Roman church. The same spirit of God. Engages you. When you open up scripture and begin to read. And some days it feels like an intellectual exercise. Some days it feels dry and just monotonous. But then there's those moments where the Spirit of God takes truth and just absolutely turns your life upside down in the best possible way. So how do we read or study Scripture? Well, the first tool or skill to remember is one simple word. It, it, if, if the church of Jesus Christ could just get this one word and just apply it to every time they open Scripture, this would save us a world of hurt. The word is this. Context. Context. The, the definition of context is the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement, or idea, and in terms of which it can be fully understood. Context. In other words, it's great to memorize Scripture. I think, I believe it's an it's a awesome practice. I think that it's, a, it's a, a meaningful practice for all of us to begin to memorize Scripture. But when we memorize Scripture, we have to be careful that we're we're memorizing and not just intellectually, but we're also understanding what it means. Okay? Because when you take one verse out of Scripture, that one verse can mean a whole lot of things. Right? So it's like, it's like if, I said, if, if I said, hey guys, let's drink the Kool-Aid. Some of you are old enough to know that reference. Let's drink the Kool-Aid. Context is going to be a big deal there, right? Because either it could be we're at a church picnic and there's been some freshly stirred Kool-Aid and it's ready to go and it's ice cold and now's the time. Drink the Kool-Aid. 
right? Or we could be in Jonestown in a cult commune, and my name is Jim Jones. For those of you that are too young to know that reference, he was a cult leader, and they drank the Kool-Aid, and it was poisoned, and they all committed suicide together, right? Context matters. Context brings meaning to Scripture. And so when we read Scripture, we have to be careful to do an exercise of going, what did it say before this verse? Okay, what did it say? What was it talking about before this verse? And what is it talking about after this verse? That is context. Taking Scripture and putting it within the proper setting. Because other words, what you can do is you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. And that becomes a dangerous practice. What does it say just before that verse? And what does it say after? In fact, the letters that were written in the New Testament, did you know that those were meant to be read in their entirety? Did, did you know that, that the chapters and verses that you have in your version of the Bible are a fairly new phenomenon? They didn't exist. They didn't exist for a long, long time. For a lot of history of the church, there was no chapter and verse. That was a system that was developed to help us reference better and easier, to memorize better. But that didn't exist. So when Paul wrote to the Roman church, that letter was to be brought to the church in Rome and to be read in, in its entirety. Here's a great exercise. If you, if you have trouble with context, here's a great exercise. Lisa and I, we tried doing that. I think it was Ephesians we did like a, a few years ago. And here's what we did. We took Ephesians. If you want to take a shorter book, that's fine. And just every day, we just read it in its entirety. Every day, read it in its entirety. Every day, read it in its entirety. And you know what happened over time? You began to notice the major themes that ran through every chapter and every verse. You, you began to think, you, you think, like, this is going to be boring. But what happened is, every time we read it, something new came. Where the Spirit of God was just leading it into some different places. And so you'd read it, and on the seventh day, you're reading it again, and you go, oh, I didn't even know that was there. Because before you just skipped right over it, but now you're kind of digging in. A great exercise for helping develop context. Take a letter in, in the New Testament and just read it in its entirety every day. It's amazing the themes that come to the forefront. And how the Spirit of God can begin to reveal and teach you different things. The second skill to reading Scripture is application. Application. Put it in context. Understand what it means. Ask who, what, where, when, why. Ask those questions. But then, if it just stops there, it just remains static. But we always ask ourselves when we're digging into Scripture, what is the application? What is the application? Because there's a partnership with the Spirit of God who leads and guides us in truth. And so we ask the Spirit of God to change something in us through His Word. 
to change our perspective through his word, to, to change the way that we look at our neighbor as he unpacks his word. When we, when we read about the eyewitness accounts of, of Matthew, when he describes the, Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, aren't you so glad that Matthew wrote that down? And we ask the question, Lord, what does that mean for me today, now, here, 21st century, Powell River? What does that mean for me? Application, application. It's the bridge from truth just being knowledge to truth becoming wisdom. How many know the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is to know something. Wisdom is to actually apply it. Knowledge, we have a lot of people that are knowledgeable. Heck, I'm a genius. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. Okay, Google. Come on, ask me anything. But it's not good enough to have knowledge. Application is when we ask the Spirit of God to take His truth, what we're learning about Jesus, what we're learning about God and His character, what we're learning about the early church, and we ask Him to take that information and translate it into life change, leading and guiding us. That's why we read Scripture. That's why we discipline ourselves. To open up the Bible. Now I just want to give some practical advice. Particularly for you that are maybe new to faith. Or maybe you're brand new. Maybe you're just exploring. I just want to give you just some practical advice. If you're new to faith, I recommend you start small. Start small. Don't feel as though you have to read an hour of scripture every day. Now. You might be so zealous and so pumped about this thing that you're, you're reading two hours. Go for it. Go for it. But it's been said that it takes about 21 days to create a new habit in your life. About 21 days. So here's my suggestion. Pull out your phone right now. Pull it out. We're going to make this really painfully practical. You got your phone? You got a calendar on your phone? Think about your day. Think about tomorrow. Your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday. Think about the routine of your life and go, where do I have 10 minutes? Okay? 10 minutes. Where do I have 10 minutes in my day? Whether it's morning, whether it's evening before you go to sleep, whether it's your lunch hour at work. Where do you have 10 minutes? Put it in your phone and just say Bible. Bible. Set a reminder. And make it repeat every day. Start with 10 minutes. Open up the scripture. And I promise you, God will be so faithful to absolutely change your life, change your perspectives, change your attitudes, change your heart. He leads and guides us in truth as we read the word of God. 
Now, if you're not sure how to get started, uh, visit myevangel.church. We have a new site that we've just recently launched, myevangel.church. You can go to Next Steps. Under Next Steps, there's Bible. It's the first step, Bible. Click on that, and there's a page, and it has some plans. You can click on the links to some plans that will help you. You can kind of look, and they're themed differently. And so you can kind of see what works for you, kind of where you're at in life. But dig in. Because our faith is not based on a book. It's based on an event. But that book gives us eyewitness accounts of that event. That life-changing event where human history was changed. Where the new covenant was brought in. That book has the apostles writing and sharing what, the, what this meant for us now. So if you really want to live out your faith, you got to know. you got to know you need to sit under the apostles' teaching. And that's how we do it, is through Scripture. That's how we do it, is through Scripture. I'll leave you with the words of the writer of Hebrews. And he says this, for the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is living and active. Let's pray. Lord, we are so we, we are so thrilled to be able to be called sons and daughters of God. And Lord, we thank you that that, that event, that event nearly 2,000 years ago, changed everything in such a profound way that Lord, you gave us a new covenant in your blood. That led us to freedom and life and liberty and hope and joy. But Lord, we're so thankful that you saw fit to inspire those who wrote it down. Those who gave us eyewitness accounts of that season and time of Jesus, your life here on this earth. And we're thankful, Lord, for the apostles who saw fit to teach the early church how to operate as a result of this new covenant in your blood. That, Lord, we have a guide, that we have the apostles' teaching right in our laps. God, would you give us grace to partner with you? Would you give us such grace to partner with you in the reading of God's word, in the study of God's word? Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to operate in, in wisdom as we put your word in the context of what you are saying, not what we want you to say. Help us to study well and to be good stewards of the studying of your word. And Lord, also, Holy Spirit, would you partner with us in the application. God, that your word would change us, that it would shape us, that, Lord, we would look less like ourselves and more like your Son. 
that you would change our outlooks, that you would change our perspectives, that you would give us a heart for the lost, that you would open our eyes to the mission and the vision that you, Jesus Christ, set for the church that is so much bigger than ourselves. As we dig into your word, God, would you profoundly lead us and guide us and change us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to call the worship team at this time. We're just going to close with a song. And we're going to be done a little bit early. And that's so you can have 10 minutes to open your word today, this afternoon. Why don't we stand together as we worship?